You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. Well, Tim, you and I could go so many different directions with this conversation, but let's get this one starting point. Where were you exactly? What were you doing exactly when the pandemic hit, so to speak? So I had a speaking engagement in London and um, I pretty much finished that and we went into lockdown. Um, And um, I remember the first board meeting that we had in March of 2020 and everybody was just like, oh my God, we were just in shock. (laughs) Uh, about you know we'd been talking about these changes for so long and then they came around and we didn't know what had hit us right well you say that we had been talking about these changes so long and this is the reality is that you and i have been actively engaged in teaching digital transformation pulling digital transformation across different teams teaching you know b2b people how to uh, be social influencers on twitter on linkedin etc so we had that was our whole world but this was not everybody else's world yet. <laughs> no, no and, and, and if you think about the way that you would go about building a business now, um, we went into a coffee shop at the, uh, the weekend. And at the time it was um, highly entrepreneurial. Basically it was, it was a dog coffee shop. You could come along and they got dogs and you could stroke them and get a cup of coffee. And while you may have them in America, we didn't, we didn't really have them in the UK. Then the lockdown came and they had to completely pivot. Because now you can't go into the shop. You actually have to stand outside and queue outside at socially distanced and actually stand at the, the, the doorway of the shop and say, can I um, buy something? You can't use cash. It all has to be card. Mm-hmm. Uh, my point being is that if you were starting a business today, fundamentally, that business has to be digital. If you were starting a restaurant, you would actually start with takeaway. Absolutely. Where, yeah, whereas, it's not an afterthought. <laughs> where, whereas normally it's an afterthought, yes. And now you would start with takeaway and, and work towards actually putting in tables. And it's the same with any business. What we have to do is we have to start with digital. Um, and, and while we may not be 100% digital, still it has to be core of the business. Well, you and I used to talk a lot about who is it at the at the company who is going to actually be the champion for digital transformation, who is going to bring about you know, uh, a change in digital dominance for the company. And then I remember after COVID-19 came on the scene, you know, you and I would joke along, well, it turns out no leader at the company is going to make it happen. COVID-19 is going to make it happen. 
and now we're just all following along. So tell me a little bit about that. Like what's changed, you know, for you and, um, and Adam and, and, and the rest of the, you know, leadership team at DLA, what are those conversations sounding like when now it's not the uh, forward thinking person on the team. Now it's just raw necessity. What does that sound like now when they're coming to you about digital transformation? I think that we actually went, we didn't realize at the time, but we went through a number of iterations um, up until um, the, up until 20,000, 20, we, we didn't have a, a plan because things would just happen. Um, and now we have to have a plan and we've actually been through a couple of plans. So, so the moment March came along, everybody said, you need to move all your training online because all of our training had been face to face. Um, so there's one thing is about delivering something through Zoom, but we actually um, built a online platform for, uh, and then what, she, what we realized was actually it was rubbish. Um, and then it took us about six months to actually junk it um, and actually start again. And actually uh, we found a proper platform which actually um, enables um, peer-to-peer training with it, with, within an online environment. So there's a whole bunch of learnings that that we went through, and I think a lot of companies went through. Right. Um, I think, uh, I mean, you know, most companies, if you, you take some of the big companies like KPMG and Deloitte, they had a plan on how to move everybody to, um, to work from home. The problem was they'd never tested the tech. So um, uh, one of the people who works for me, who's a partner at uh, KPMG, you know, they had a, um, the Thursday they had half the people on the network to see if it, it didn't fall over. And then Friday, the other half joined to make sure it didn't fall over. So, um, you know, people have plans, but they weren't tested. Well, it's funny that you were on a stage in London with all this hit because I was on a stage in Amsterdam <laughs> when all of this hit. Do you remember? I was there. Adam was there with me, yeah. right? So we were actually, it's like the little bubble, you know, the cartoon bubble was actually still above my head, you know, where I had just said, if your company is not already engaged online in a digital uh, uh, transformative way where you are gaining digital dominance, then this is not the future of work it's actually the past of work and you're behind you just don't know it yet i swear that bubble yeah. was still yeah. above my head when i got off the stage absolutely and I, and you said something there which was digital dominance right because i still think that if you go into every organization they say that they're doing social and they're doing digital mm-hmm. um and and unfortunately they're not mm-hmm. um and and all and and you know, the world has changed we know that um, you know, my mother, who's 83, runs her wine groups online. She doesn't do them face to face anymore. Um, you know, she had to go through the process of learning how to use Zoom. Now we, we, we do it naturally. Right. Um, there's all kinds of things that we've had to learn over the last 12 months to enable us to be t- digital. Um, and, and we're not going to go back or we're not going to go back to where we were before. Right. There may be some element of that, but we have, we have to be digital as an organization moving forward. Well, it's happened a little bit differently across the globe. And obviously you're across the pond and we work together, but you brought up something the other day when we were talking that something happened in the UK around October in 2020. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about like what you felt emerged. What I think this story is just really intriguing actually. So, so we, we went through um, March, we hit lockdown. Uh, and then the summer came around and, and we were able to open up. So we had a, a date, which was the July the 4th, which is, you know, your Independence Day. 
um, where um, actually we were able to go out and go to the pub and, and restaurants. So it was your and Independence it, Day as well. <laughs> it, it was. It was called Independence Day. Okay. Here. Yeah. So we were able to go to restaurants and things. And then what happened was that um, the, um, uh, uh, the the we, we get hit winter and we're back in lockdown again. Mm -hmm. And I think and 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 so in October um, there was this ex expectation from March we would basically come out of lockdown in the summer and everything would be back to normal. And what happened was that we went back into lockdown. And then we had people that were saying, oh, it's going to be back okay in 2021. And of course, we're back into lockdown. So we're in, it's called lockdown three here in the UK. Um, and, um, and even though there's now a, a very um, detailed vaccination programme, Everybody knows we're not going to go back to where we were because of the various new variants, etc. We don't even know if the vaccine is really going to work. Um, so um, something happened. There was, a, there was a switch that seemed to go in in October, where we some, where I think everybody realised that we're we're going to be like this, or we're going to be different for the long term. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't a. There wasn't like there was some fact or there was some announcement. I just felt it in my in my internally that this this change had taken place and I, I've spoken to a lot of people um, in the digital world and they kind of feel something very very similar and um, we can't point to a particular piece of data but we kind of feel that something happened right and the the reality there is not necessarily that something was different so much as that it was finally dawning on people <laughs> what yes. what was really going on and the fact that we weren't going to go back to normal and you know you shared with me the other day that someone had <laughs> given you a phrase that was quite disturbing which was referring to this this time period and the the next few years ahead of us as the covid years COVID and year. yeah this idea that you know it is frightening but it's true we are really going to be living with COVID. And this particular podcast is about digital transformation success. So when you think about that idea about how we are very much going to be living with COVID in some machination, what does that make you think of with digital transformation success? You mentioned that people were testing a system, had, you know, and those who were lucky enough to have a system tested the system. Now we're here, but how do we live with the system? What's going on, especially for salespeople? Um, well, I, I, I think that, that even before COVID, there was this transformation taking place with the buyer. But I think it's completely flipped um, to, to the point where buyers are now on social. There's no argument about whether um, and, and may, you know, maybe um, some finance director may not be on, on, on social, but the whole of the buying team. You know, I was talking I'm, I'm, I'm currently um, uh, coaching a, a supply chain software sales team um, and I said to them you know how many people are involved in the buying process and you know I put up the stats about Gartner says there's 10 people and they said oh yeah we get that so I said how many and they said oh at least 100 what uh, uh, and and I said and they said it could be 200 because you know when they're selling supply chain they're selling to the supply chain team they're selling to purchasing they're selling to um, finance they're selling to manufacturing all of these people want input into the into the buying process mm -hmm. um, and and I think that that's the case for for lots of things and and if you think about traditional ways of reach how do we reach those people and get our message well we could advertise we could basically send them an email or what we could do is we could cold call them. I'm not sure that we would actually be able to get to them and actually scale 
um, uh, to them in that number of people in the time that we actually want. Oh, I think that is such a, an astute observation because gone are the days that we could be connected to one or two people that was already gone before COVID. But then we were living in the okay, I need to be connected to four or five people. Well, I guarantee you, the contract that I sold this week came about because I was connected to 14, 15, 16, 17 people on this team. Yes. And it became just a there was an inflection point when I was yes. really connected with so many people that the team that it became almost a foregone conclusion that they would choose me. Yes, and this is what we talk about with digital dominance, which is that there are people out there and they're using digital Google, what search engines, even, you know, social to, to find a solution to a problem. And you need to be active on those to be found to, to be the answer. Um, but the, the, the thing that um, the thing that people don't generally understand is that when you connect to people on social, what happens is that you get a um, you get a, a benefit which is exponential because of the fact that what happens if, you, if the average person on LinkedIn has 930 connections and you connect to 100 people, that means that your network or your optimal network has actually increased by 93,000. Mm, yeah. So just by connecting to 100 people, you've expanded the ability for you to influence. And let's not, let's, you know, let's, let's, if, if we're sitting in an office, I may be connected to Priscilla um, but Priscilla's sitting next to Alice. Alice is working on something, and Alice says, I've, "Priscilla, I've got this problem. What do you think?" You got Tim Hughes. Right. You're not connected to him. Hmm. And so, so there's, you know, even sitting in in offices, what you'll find is that this this exponential um, um, uh, uh, connection of your network will just grow and grow and grow because of the fact that it's it's a people thing and and it just expands and that is the way that people are buying and need to sell today right you know linkedin themselves says about their network why it was built and what it is actually intended to do is to connect talent with opportunity wait for it at scale Yes. <laughs> and so a lot of people, I know, I think this is probably true for you too. come to me about, you know, wanting to, you know, get better at social or they think they do it or they want it. They know that they need to do it better, but they still have in their mind that they want to connect to the person who is going to get the sale. And they do not. They, understand it's, and this. it's a mistake. Yeah. It's a massive mistake. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see that there's being three people. There are the people that will buy from you. There'll be people that refer from you. And we call this people with big mouths, which are actually people that like you. Um, they're never going to buy from you, but they're willing to take your story and your influence and spread it through their network. And and, and the thing that the mistake that people make, and we see it all the time, is that people connect on, on, on social and immediately pitch. Now, nobody's interested in that because of the fact that it's not social selling, it's, it's basically spamming on a um, cold calling on a social network. Um, but there are, what you need to be doing is actually thinking about not the connection as the place where the sale takes place, but the connection as this is the place where I will have a conversation. Right. And, and it's the, it's the, the ability and the, and, and, and the, the, the opportunity to have conversations at scale. Um, I mean, some of the figures I've just been talking to my business partner, Adam Gray, um, from some of the work that we're doing at Telstra 
and the ability to have conversations is it's just i mean they can't the salespeople don't have the time to transact the number of leads they've got right and this is in a pandemic <laughs> where everyone's going well i've got no pipeline and and the fact of the matter is is that it proves that everybody that the, the people have actually gone on um um on digital and that's and that's where they are right. and i know i'm biased and i know your people are going to say well tim is going to say that because it's his company but anybody can come to us and say okay um if they sign an nda i will show them the figures right right and and so this is not me being being boastful well i'm english I, i'm not a boastful person i'm <laughs> modest and 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 you know and but here is a here is a here is a um this is something going on right now where uh, people are using these techniques to dominate dominate the social space and completely blank out their analog competition and and i'm just sit and i just sit and watch this take place and it, i work in the industry and it amazes me Mm -hmm. Well, we work in this industry, and this is what is so funny about this, is that there is also a big divide between um, people who are, you know, supposedly teaching social selling or teaching social media prowess, right? So when we look at the whole idea of what it takes, you know, for a company to experience digital transformation success, there's this big divide. There are people out there who claim to be in the same industry that we are, but they're not. They're selling tips and tricks or automated services that are, you know, bot, you know, bots that are just spamming us and, you know, sending us crazy messages. And basically they're taking that old school approach of trying to put people through this mill of selling to people who don't want to be sold to in this very, um, like you've been slimed kind of way. Yeah, and the, the, thing is, the, the thing is, Priscilla, is that the way that we've sold in the past is about interruption and broadcast. Right which is that we've rung somebody up and we've basically said, hi, it's Tim Hughes and, and I've got something to sell you. Or I send you an email and, and you say, this is, and, and there's a whole industry, that a billion dollars of industry that are based around how you should cold call, how you should um, send emails, or even how you present adverts to people. And the thing is, is that people are, are completely deaf and blind to this now. They, they're just not interested. And, what we see on social, the mistake that people make is that salespeople will write in that style. Mm. So they think that what they need to do is take the message that's not working in, in cold calling or the message that's not working in advertising or the message that's not working in email. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it on social because I've seen some gurus say that social selling is the place to go. So I'm going to take my message that doesn't work, put it on social and guess what? It doesn't work right but i'm gonna because, do it more <laughs> well yeah yeah well we yeah i mean you know if you, you if you look at the hubspot um the hubspot uh um research that's come out over the last year is fascinating because i don't i don't know if you've been tracking it because hubspot i've got as you know a whole bunch of clients so they're able to use that as a sample so it's a fantastic sample of of different industries and different size of organizations and what they've actually realized is that um uh, and, and, and remember, they sell email systems, uh, email marketing systems, is that the number of emails is actually that people are sending has gone up. Right. But the number of emails that people are opening has actually gone down. Oh, so and it's, it's now, a frightening, it's a frightening now, number. <laughs> now, now email marketing has a 98% failure rate. Right, right. Um, 
and and the thing is is that the, the people don't understand that this this that this has been this big switch and one one of the things that we do is that we talk people through this process of how um at, at the world has changed but by using simple psychology what we can do is that we make a switch from the situation where we have a salesperson that says here are my products and here's my service and you go i'm not interested go away stop bothering me to actually putting a person up and, and making them human and you go do you know that priscilla mckinney mm -hmm. actually looks really interesting mm -hmm. i'd like to have a meeting with her right i mean i, I show people your linkedin profile and, and I, I do it a lot. And, 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 and so, so I, you know, so if, if you, if you're listening to this, go to Priscilla's LinkedIn profile and have a, a read of it. And I show people that and they go, Oh, Priscilla looks like a really interesting person. I said, yes, she is. But, and they say, I really like to meet her. I said, yeah, but when you meet her, what she'll do is that she'll actually try and pitch you something. And they say, I don't care. And I, I, and it's just no word of a lie. I have had conversation after conversation when I say, but they'll, they'll, she'll pitch you something and they'll say, I don't care. I just want to meet her. <laughs> the, the, and, and, I, I, and I know that, I, 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 but the thing is that this is the difference. This is the transformation that's taken place, which is before we've, we've got a sales force where she say, buy my product because it's great. And we're saying, go away. And we've got Priscilla McKinney here where people are going, I actually want to talk to this person and I don't care that she's going to pitch to me. Right. I mean, that is transformation. That's the, well, you just said, wow, that's the wow. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, you know, and that's the thing that, that's the thing that people need to, to move towards. Right. Um, and seeing seeing customers walking towards you or prospects walking towards you rather than walking away is a man is a fantastic feeling right and i know when you and i teach digital transformation also i know the moment that you and i are waiting for because for example when you do send people and they say hey tim showed me your profile and i get these messages every once in a while right and so i just you know send them a link let's have a little chat you know grab a cup of i'll grab a coffee and you know let, let's just chat for a minute and then i also don't lead with sales you know which is what you know they are so used to this like interruptive you know kind of thing that you're talking about but instead you know i lead with who i am and i think that's a big shift that people need to make and i know when we teach people that is really what enlivens us is when you see it finally dawn on them that they don't have to have the same sales mode and in fact take the stupid sales hat off it's not it's not necessary because I think it's a, a it's a mindset shift to not lead by thinking about the money that you're going to make, but by thinking about the impact that you want to have. And I'm going to do that even one better. It's not just about that person, but one thing that I know of one of my uh, favorite colleagues, Sarah Kotva, um, who has taken um, um, my social influencer course, she always says this is her quote that she loves the most from it is you don't sell to your network you sell through your network right yes. and i remember the day she finally got that and it like completely freed her from this idea of like i have to do this in order to get that you know it's not this linear progression it's no. about coming up to the stage and being genuine being available helping people be able to relax because you are focused on the impact that you want to have and not on seeing people as commodities and transactional relationships right yes yeah and and, and 
Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's a fundamental change. I, I'm working with an organization where they've actually got somebody within the sales team. He, his job full time is to help the salespeople create conversations because the, the salespeople have actually forgotten mm. or how to do that because what they've done in the past is, you know, you, you ring somebody and in effect what you're told to do, you're given a script to read off. And while there's certain manipulative things that you can do when you make a cold call, ultimately it's a, it's a, it's, it's a one way conversation. Um, And they've lost this ability. And and what what this guy's doing is actually saying, you know, they're having, um, they're they're having discussions around, Oh, this person sent me this. What do I reply? (laughs) And, and, and and I know some of it is, well, just be human and and (laughs) use your personality. And, and, you know, most people in sales are gregarious, and, and, and you and have some sort of sense of humor and it's just a well kind of relax will you and and you know and, and stop se- stop selling right and, it, and it's quite strange when you say to people when you stop selling you will sell more exactly I, I mean I'm, I'm doing this I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm coaching as a, this supply chain people and this one guy won't change I'm trying to get him to t- change his um, profile to look like Priscilla's McKinnis I've been in sales for 20 years. I've been doing this. I said, just trust me. He's written a really good th- th- um, uh, piece about himself. I said, put it up for 24 hours t- and tell me what happens. Within 12 hours, he came back to me, said, I, my, my profile views have gone up 200%. <laughs> it's like, yes, Mark. Yes. <laughs> I know. This is, this is what I'm telling you. He said, I don't believe it. I said, Mark, I, I, I said, this is not, this is not witchcraft. Right. This actually happens. Mm-hmm. He says, I can't believe it. He said, I'm leaving it up. Okay. Said, my would. job here is done. I know. I know. It's like, I knew you would. And he's yeah. like, I can't believe it. And it's uh, he's like on his phone to his manager. He's going like, so I've now got a meeting with the CEO. Right. But see, that's the thing is that people are hungry for that. And this is kind of what I was saying is there's a divide. There's those people out there that are doing, even in, in our industry, this social selling and uh, digital domination kind of, you know, uh, uh, industry, there are people out there still doing that smarmy, you know, uh, uh, tips and tricks kind of thing, but people are hungry for the real connection. And so even within our own industry, we almost don't have competition. And that's what people, it's not dawning on people yet. Not only is there the analog people who aren't even out here yet, so you're not competing against them, but also then the people who are out on digital, there are so few that are using it in this humanizing way that we have such a crazy, a fair advantage, right? Well, we yeah, we most people on social are using it in a very tactical way. I mean, everybody in in the world will generally say they're on social, right? Um, and usually, what happens is that it will be social will be in digital, which will be in marketing, or it will be in HR. They'll put out jobs out, job ads out on Twitter, or it may be in customer service. And the thing is, is that everybody in some shape or form is on on um, on posting tactically and that will be someone will post something or some you know a vp will post something and then they'll send out an email saying please can you like my post <laughs> but all of this is just a random act of 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 social it's just a tactic and it probably has a cost to the business rather than a profit and what we do is that we actually um, um we being you know you and i what we do is that we talk to people about using social from a strategic perspective right so so when you post something you know why you're posting it um and there's a famous um a famous slide that i use um from um, eric doyle who um, you've also interviewed where you know he put up a post about him 
and his son at um, the beach. Um, his son Austin, 16 years old, COVID birthday. Um, it took him 10 minutes to basically put the post and he got six sea level meetings off the back of that. He's had one, two proposals and one purchase order and it took him 10 minutes. Right. Now, you can't get that response from anything else. Um, and I see people, you know, I saw something yesterday saying, oh, yes, I, I, can, I, I can't make, you know, I'm, I, I, it's far easier um, getting business through cold calling. I don't get as many leads through social. You don't understand what social means. Right. Because here we have somebody who's, you know, and we have sales teams that are getting multiple C-level meetings by using, um, using social, but understanding how to use it strategically and having a methodology behind it to actually harvest all those, all that interaction. Right. And that's fundamentally different from all the LinkedIn trainers, um, everybody else that's, that's teaching social across the whole of the world. Right. And that focus on that tactical also becomes then this focus on the statistics. And now you and I do love statistics and we work with our teams to show them the statistics, right? To see the progress because people were human. We need to see the progress. But a lot of times when people come at me and they want to talk about KPIs and stats and all this kind of stuff, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, well, 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 that's not the beginning. Like there's benchmarks and we'll get there. Right. But to me, ultimately, the only thing that matters is, is it bringing you revenue? And, you know, can you sleep at night with that revenue? Because I don't, I don't ever want to show up in a, even if I were highly successful, you know, uh, and I was, you know, printing the money in the back, but I was treating people as commodities. I, that's not a life I want to have. Right. So the, the real measure of success for individuals and for large teams where we teach is, yeah, but are you able to keep up with the leads? Are you able to close all these deals? And this is the, becomes the problem. It's the opposite problem is that I have too many people interested and it's hard to get around and, and, and maintain this very meaningful conversation with every single one of them, right? That's the, that's the dream. Yeah, I, I, I wrote a blog a couple of years ago about how we got approached by somebody that they had too many leads. And I just, and I just wondered if there was a sales guru out there that had a methodology that helped sort people with too many leads, because I got a feeling that there wasn't. Um, there's lots of sales gurus that supposedly give you answers that you haven't got enough leads. Um, and, um, you know, but, but things have changed. And, um, it, you know, what we've seen is an acceleration. And um, in, certainly when you come back to the point about, uh, you know, I felt in October of last year that there was something happened. Um, and there was, I think there was a there was a, a realization that um, that we had gone digital. Now, if you look at the figures from um, Gartner that came out this week, a um, couple of things. One is that they're saying that um, uh, thirty percent of people want a seller-free experience, and in fact, fifty percent of millennials want a seller-free experience. So they're actually saying that there's a there's a new dawn for e-commerce, and I don't think that's the case. Because in the world that I've worked in, um, yes, you can buy complex business-to-business -business things off the internet. But generally, um, I mean, my partner's currently trying to buy a jean, pair of jeans off Gap, and and she can't she she can't work out the website because um, apart from it's all in um, uh, metric. Um, there's so many different varieties. She needs to be go go into a shop and say. I'm looking for this. This is the sort of thing. And, 
and you know and genes aren't that complex so when you get to business to business i used to sell accounting systems i mean you know um the thing is is that that sales what happens at the moment is that they cause friction in the buying process immediately what they do is that they get the brochures out and they start pitching or they do a discovery call which is basically all they're doing is that they're going down a list of things of trying to get manipulate people to to basically say that they want that product's unique selling points and buyers see through this and they've had enough um, and when they say they want a they want to they don't want to have salespeople in the process it's because they don't want to have this manipulative um a uh, person asks questions basically just to get their own way rather than asking questions because they're curious or they're interested in that particular client. Right. Um, and until companies realize that this is happening, they have to retrain their salespeople away from this, um, this, this manipulation. Mm -hmm. my, my biggest concern is that because there's less business around, what they do is that, that, that people will become more manipulative. Mm -hmm. Because there's less business, therefore you have to win more things, therefore they throw more manipulation at the, the, the problem. Right. Um, and uh, a manipulation isn't the answer to the problem, it's actually being human. No, and it's the it's coming down from the top too. When you look at the marketing departments, I can't tell you how many times people come to me and they tell me, you know, Priscilla, my my company is telling me I have to repost this and I have to like their post and I have to that it and like wait 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 whose LinkedIn profile is this? It belongs to you, yeah. right? Yeah. This doesn't belong to your company. And it's not only that I think that's totally rude and it's a complete misunderstanding of employee advocacy, right? Because. Yeah. True employee advocacy should come up that the the employee is advocating for the company out of a genuine sense of belief in the brand promise. But they are taking that thing and now now let's orchestrate it. And then they're actually there's there's software that actually gauges how many times have you shared our post, how many times have you done that, and it, it, first of all, I think it's incredibly rude. Number one, number two it doesn't work. I mean, how many LinkedIn corporate pages do you sit and follow? And how many times when you're scrolling through, any. right. And how many times when you're scrolling through, do you see an obvious, you know, corporate post and stop and say, oh, that looks fun. <laughs> uh, well, you, you know, you know, it's, it's zero. And the thing is, is that you look at this stuff and no one gets an engagement on it. Right. Um, and the point that they're missing is that the engagement is an opportunity to have a conversation. Right. And it's like, so you're putting, so, 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 so you're putting out all this content nobody's engaging with it so you're missing sales opportunities so so but all of this content is costing you money all of this posting all of these platforms are costing you money so why is there somebody not actually um somebody should be adding up the cost to the business for running employee advocacy because of the fact that they're losing out on sales they're losing you know it's a bit like um I remember working for a company. So there used to be this thing in, in the UK where to make a telephone call, it was really expensive from the morning to the to one o'clock. And then it was a little bit cheaper. And then after six o'clock in the evening, it was really cheap. And I remember sitting in a sales meeting with the finance director and he said, well, can't you make all your cold calls after six o'clock at night? Because it's really cheap. <laughs> and uh, uh, and um, hold on, I'm going to get back up off the floor and get back in my. So it, it's true. <laughs> it's uh, it's the that, stupidest that. thing I've ever heard. It, it, it was. It was. And and um and he didn't get. He didn't. He didn't realize for about ten minutes and for until what he said. And we we're all we we're like rolling on the floor like laughing. <laughs> um, 
but it's it's one of these things where people see and I was on a call this morning where I said that we all need to do social selling. Okay. So we need a platform. Do you? Why? We, we use Slack, you know, for, for our, our employee advocacy and I'm doing uh, um, um, quotes, quotes with my fingers. <laughs> um, our employee advocacy is done through Slack. We don't, we don't have a platform. You don't need to have a platform. This is about the employees sharing their feelings and sharing their thoughts and sharing their insights and educating the markets. Um, it's not about taking some message that isn't working on email and cold calling and then stuffing it out on, on social. Mm. It, 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 but I, I think the, I mean, the, the thing what's happened is the employee advocacy market's pretty much turned on in, in on itself because right. there's very few people actually doing it well. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of the employee advocacy companies are actually now doing, um, uh, they switched to doing uh, internal comms. Yeah. Well, it's so disingenuous. And uh, what it will do is it'll have the opposite effect. It'll run great employees off because they're like, what? I'm, you know, quit forcing me to do your bidding here. And that's, that is, you know, uh, encroaching on someone's reputation as being a genuine person who is out there trying to help others, right? So I wanted to, you, you said this word um, that people out there posting their insights. This is interesting. I noticed this. I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but when you look at uh, LinkedIn for the SSI score and uh, it, they, they gauge you on four different, um, you know, um, I guess, buckets of things that LinkedIn wants you to do. And also is saying you will be more successful if you max out. And these are the four directions that you should go. Well, one of them is engage with insights. And what was interesting is I couldn't figure out what that was at the very beginning. I thought, you know, and I'm in um, serving a market research industry, which also calls itself the insights industry. So I thought insights were the stats, the data, right? And I, I that it never, you know, made the connection. But when I finally made that connection, it says, oh, engage with insights. That means engage with the posts that other people are putting out because they should be, wait for it, insightful, exactly. <laughs> not just regurgitation. And I think the algorithm expects you to write about a sentence yes not just which yes. gets around <laughs> the fact that people were going people were, what happened was people were, were trying to spam the algorithm by putting like the word you know just mm -hmm. writing the word like or thanks for the share or something like that mm -hmm. you actually do need to, to to make it work you do need to actually um write something and by the way a, a comment is worth more than the like on the post yes oh my gosh I, I i don't know how many times i have to tell people that <laughs> but anyway okay so we're talking about digital transformation success and so let's wrap it up with this a little bit about we started with this idea of the future of work right and this is always a big topic but um you and I were talking about it long before COVID. Now it's completely um, uh, a different conversation with other people. Now it seems to be, uh, you know, so much more relevant to more people. It should have been more relevant before, but um, a lot of a lot of what we were talking about before hasn't changed. But then some things have. So you mentioned this idea of the COVID years. So oh, yeah. what what do you think is really needed for a team? you know, to engage in digital transformation success? Or what are the fundamentals you think that have to be um, present for a company to say, okay, yeah, we are ready for digital transformation? I think the, the term the COVID years is something that, you know, we're not going to go back to the way it was back in 2019. Um, we're not going to go, you know, some people may back, be back in the office, but we will change the way that we work. Um, 
we've you know i've talked about talked to you about the fact that i live to, to go to a meeting in london it takes me about an hour so i could travel to london for an hour have a meeting for an hour and then come back home for an hour so it takes me three hours to have a, an hour meeting whereas now i can sit on zoom and have back-to-back -back meetings and not have any travel time and I, and I think that's one of the things I've seen business actually speed up. Um, and, you know, I can have a conversation with somebody on social and immediately say, let's have a call tomorrow. And, you know, I'm presenting to the board the week after. And then, you know, the, the, the sales cycle has, has shrunk so much. And I think right. some of the things that we'll, we'll see from a, um, from a COVID perspective is that you will have people that refuse to go in the office. There are some people... Um, strangely enough, my partner's 25-year-old is desperate to go in the office. And I, I'd always thought that being 25 and being a millennial, he would have wanted to actually um, work um, remotely, even though he actually works for um, a, a London company but has moved to Barcelona because he can. But he still wants to go into an office in Barcelona. So there are people that still want to go into offices, but there's people like myself or my business partner who's had cancer who d don't want to mix with people. Um, and he, Adam, my business partner, doesn't see himself ever going into an office ever again be because of the fact that his immune system was broken down because of the, the, the treatments he had. Um, so, so different people, you know, there are some people that want to get in the office because th th there's abuse at home. Um, so there's all kinds of, what happens is that, what's happened with digital is that our, our private life and our, um, our business life has merged. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and we had a Zoom call and their cat came and sat on their lap. And we've all seen these things. You know, I've, 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 I've been on a call with our local council where we've had a, a person from the police, the senior person from the police presenting. And it was eight o'clock in the evening and it was bedtime and her, she, she, she was in her uniform, but her daughter came and kissed her goodnight because it was bedtime. <laughs> And we've all seen these things where it's this merger. And, and that's kind of what's happening is that we're going back to the way that we were before factories, which is where we were cobblers and butchers and bakers and candlestick makers, which is we work from home and we did what we needed to do within the home environment. Um, and then what happened was that the factory meant that we, we did it, but in a production line. And, and I think that we need to be far more cognizant of the fact that people are working from home and be more empathetic you know i've got a person who's um one of my salespeople. he's got to um, spend half a day homeschooling his kids right um because there's no school at the moment and we need to be empathetic to that um and there's all these different things but the the digital also shows throws up lots of opportunities um you know we don't need to have on-premise systems we can go out and just buy SaaS programs that we just switch on and switch off LinkedIn, for example, is a SaaS system. It just sits there on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I've got, I don't know how many tabs of my, um, um, my internet browser uh, open at one, <laughs> um, one moment. It, it's usually too many, <laughs> too, too many. It's usually a, a, a view from me about how um, chaos, chaotic my life is at this at a moment in time. Um, but that's the, the thing that's changed. And, and, and this move to, to the fact that we're on digital, our clients are on digital, um, everybody's on digital. Right. And I, and that's the platform that we're looking for is, I guess, my question to other people when they tell me, 
that, you know, hey, Priscilla, do I, do I need to be on social or, you know, am I really going to get business here? And I was like, okay, well, let me know when you build a platform personally that has 760 million people on it. <laughs> right. And yes. when you do, then you should just be on your own platform. But until then, you should probably just jump on LinkedIn for B2B sales because they've already built the whole platform. With only 700 and something million people. Yeah. It's, right. it's, uh, and you know, maybe the odd person isn't there. Um, one of my, um, one of my friends um, in their mid twenties did say to me that um, she said, um, um, anybody who's, um, anybody who's not on um, social, um, obviously has something to hide. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just a different perspective um, from someone who is a 25-year-old to maybe someone who's, uh, I'm 55. So, um, you know, um, I'm, I can speak for the um, Generation X. Right, right. Well, we talked about this uh, as digital transformation success. And you shared some stats with me uh, from HubSpot that are very frightening, but let me give you some really positive ones. Um, so I looked this up. This is uh, some research uh, recently from LinkedIn, uh, very, very current. And they found that on average, uh, people who were using social to sell um, are getting 42% larger deals. I think this is yep. really interesting. They're getting 17% yep. higher win rates. Yep. So you talk about like, you know, um, the, the sales cycle being shorter, but better, right? Those are both those kinds of stats. And they also have 15% 15 more pipeline. So they're also less stressed than the traditional salesperson, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's interesting again, because what they're doing is that they're, pulling those stats across 720 million people, the, the, the sample is, is quite big. Right. Um, it's interesting. We looked at those uh, recently and we said, yeah, you could do better than that. <laughs> but hey, those are just averages. Those are just averages. They are averages, <laughs> but you could, yeah, you could do better than that. Yeah. Great. Well, Tim, you and I could have so many conversations. We're going to continue some of these about truly B2B uh, digital transformation success. But thank you so much for giving us your time and your wisdom. You're welcome. And I know it is a pain to come in on the train for an hour to London, but you always do it when I show up. So if the UK ever lets Americans back in, I know you'll make the journey for me, but the rest of our life will be much easier. <laughs> Thanks, Priscilla. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>